Thanks for tuning in. Ham Talk Live will be on the air shortly. Please stand by. Thanks for tuning in. Ham Talk Live will be on the air shortly. Please stand by. This episode of Ham Talk Live is brought to you by Tower Electronics. For connectors, cables, and more, call 920-435-2973 or visit pl-259.com. And by ICOM. Heard it? Worked it? Logged it. Visit www.icomamerica.com slash amateur for more information about ICOM radios. It's Ham Radio. Good evening, everyone. It's time for Ham Talk Live. It's episode number 205. The new radio on the International Space Station, recorded live on Thursday, March 26th, 2020. I'm your host, Neil Rapp, WB9VPG. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Ham Talk Live. Tonight, we're joined by Frank Bauer, KA3HDO, and we'll take your calls live in just a few minutes. And last week here on the show, Matt Bonadies, KB9YOJ, was here to talk about virtual club meetings. And and if you're wondering, that went really well. I got in on it late, but uh, we had Zoom for video, and then we were on the repeater for the rest of it, and and it worked out really well. So let me encourage you to do that if uh your local club has had to cancel meetings, as most have. Uh, give that a try. It's, uh, it's a pretty neat way to uh, connect with some people and have some fun while you're, while you're quarantined here. Uh, but if you missed that show, listen over at HamTalkLive.com or on your favorite podcast app or on YouTube, or you can catch the rebroadcast of the show every Saturday night on WTWW. That's 5.085 a.m. Saturday evenings at about 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time. So get your questions ready to go about the space station. Uh, We've got uh, Frank here that uh, knows everything there is to know about it. So we'll uh, take your questions. If you're listening to us live on Thursday night, you can give us a call after the interview. And I'll go ahead and give you the phone number so that way you have it ready. It's 859-982-7373. And uh, we'll talk to Frank for a little bit first and kind of fill you in on the latest news and then um, we'll come back and take your calls at 859-982-7373. Of course, you can tweet us. We're watching Twitter. Uh, it's at HamTalkLive on Twitter. And um, if you're on Spreaker, you can type into the comments there, too. We'll uh, 
Check those throughout the night. So I'll be back with Frank right after this word from ICOM right here on Ham Talk Live. Get out and be active with ICOM's new IC705 and its optional multifunction backpack. The IC705 is your perfect QRP companion as you have base station features and functionality at the tip of your fingers in a portable package covering HF 6 meters, 2 meters, and 70 centimeters. This compact rig weighs in at 1 kilogram or just over 2 pounds with RF direct sampling for most of the HF band and IF sampling for frequencies above 25 megahertz and a large 4.3 inch color touchscreen with live band scope and waterfall. It runs 5 watts with a battery, 10 watts with a power supply. It has sideband, CW, AM, FM, and full D-Star functions, a micro USB connector, Bluetooth, wireless LAN, micro SD card slot, integrated GPS with antenna and GPS logger, and the speaker mic comes standard and supports QRP operations. The perfect accessory for your IC705 is the optional backpack, LC192, with a special compartment for your IC705 and room for accessories for soda activations or just a day in the park. Visit icomamerica.com slash amateur for more information about ICOM radios. What's that call sign again? WB9VPG. That's right, Delium 9 Bainte Pterodactyl Nat, right? Ham Talk Live. Welcome back to Ham Talk Live. Thanks to ICOM for sponsoring the show again tonight. And make sure you check out that 705. That's a cool little rig. Check that out over at icomamerica.com slash amateur. Well, with me again tonight is Frank Bauer, KA3HDO. He's been licensed since 1974. In 1983, in preparation for the first ever ham radio operation from space, he was the one responsible for setting up and operating the worldwide retransmission of the Space Shuttle Air-to-Ground Communications from the Goddard Amateur Radio Club station WA3NAN. This initiative provided a critical conduit of information to hams attempting to contact astronaut hams in the pre-internet era. And Frank now serves as the amateur radio on the International Space Station International Chairman. He has bachelor's and master's degrees in aeronautics and astronautics from Purdue University here in Indiana. And his career in aerospace spans four decades within NASA and private industry. And he is the 2017 Dayton Hamvention Amateur of the Year. So, Frank, welcome back to the show. Well, thank you, Neil. It's great to be back. We've, uh, we've it's been a while since we've talked, and, and it seems like we've been talking about this project forever. And, and now it's time to uh, to celebrate a little bit. So, let's talk about this new radio system. Uh, on the International Space Station, uh, it's finally up there. So, tell us about the launch and and where things are with the radio right now. 
Sure thing. Let me first start with uh, the fact that, as, as you just described, it has been a long time. This has been over four years of uh, volunteer work to make happen. And um, we finally got the, um, the system, which uh, we call, it's the next generation radio system for, for ISS. Uh, we call it the interoperable radio system. And um, it includes a JVC, a special, specially developed JVC Kenwood uh, D710 and uh, a uh, AMSAT North America developed uh, multi-voltage power supply. Uh, we, on uh, March 6th, we were able to uh, have a successful launch with SpaceX 20. Um, was absolutely spectacular launch. We had uh, because so many people have worked on it for such a long time. Um, we had 20 individuals, uh, which included some of their spouses, at the launch, and it was a beautiful night. I mean, absolutely clear. And uh, launch was absolutely spectacular. Knowing that uh, everyone, knowing that uh, what they the worked on, the fruits of their labor was on that vehicle and seeing it successful and then actually watching the nailing of the, the first stage landing was pretty pretty impressive. Yeah, I always enjoy watching those uh, those landings. I mean, they, they, they pinpoint that thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a control systems engineer, so I know how hard that is, and it is really impressive. Yeah, well... They've done it 50 uh, times now at this point. <laughs> Just even more impressive. Just think about yeah, it. just fifty times. You know, uh, getting that uh, that thing to to land exactly uh, on on the X. Wow. Well, uh, now that the the rocket is, is um, let's see, what's the what's the name of the back home again? Or no, not I forget what what the name of the ship is now. I, I lose me. The basic dragon. The dragon's still up there. No, no, the 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 recovery ship. First stage, you mean? Yeah, the the recovers the first stage. I forget the name. Oh, of it well, now. yeah, actually, they landed on Landa. Um, oh, okay. Uh, uh, it depends on it depends on where they're at. They'll do it on a barge, or they'll do it on land. Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking of the barge. Well, anyway. Yeah. Anyway, we're worried about the radio, so we'll talk about about the radio. Um, You'll be talking about rockets. Sorry about that. Yeah, we yeah we get we get to yeah we get to doing that. But um, I, there's always this big crossover of interest, you know, in ham radio and, and rockets. I think anything scientific. But um, so so where's the radio right now, and and what's the the status of it? Okay, so um, so it got launched on the sixth. Um, and um, that was a Friday night. Monday morning it was uh, birthed. In other words, they grab it with the, ro- ro- the robot arm and um, attach it to space station. They've opened it up the Dragon capsule and pulled out. Um, our, our equipment is out now. It's in uh, what's called Node 3 of space station. It's... Um, so uh, before we flew, uh, we had, you know, basically you have to get um, both engineering agreement that all of your requirements meet space station requirements and all of your um, 
safety hazards have been mitigated. You know, you, you, the risk is low on those uh, hazards. So um, we were able to accomplish that for launch and stow. So in other words, we launched the vehicle, we launched the radio system to space station, and we could stow it. And in the meantime, we were working all of the uh, uh, the engineering requirements as well as um, uh, we had our safety review in December before launch. Um, we were able to actually, the Thursday before, we launched on Friday, Thursday, we finalized safety. So we were totally, uh, from a safety from a operations perspective. So we were approved for launch and stow. The next phase of it is actually to hook the equipment up and operate it, which, of course, is the whole reason we are flying it. So we've accomplished the safety. We're still out of 90 requirements we have to, to, um, to uh, get approval for. Uh, we have one left, and we're just waiting for an international partner to approve it, and it'll be done. And then we'll be uh, uh, given permission to basically integrate it into the space station and get it ready for operations. Okay. So that's and where we're at right now. All right. And I looked it up. It, it was the recovery ship name I was trying to think of was, Of Course I Still Love You. That was the one I was oh, trying to think of. that. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, that was the one. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway. Well, now that the radio is up there, and if you, you get – you get the email and, and and everything's signed off. What are we gonna see down here on planet Earth? Uh, what what are we gonna be able to do with this thing? And and what is the um, Eris program going to be do, doing with this new rig? Right. So so we've been very busy with all this engineering, getting it ready, getting it approved for safety, getting it approved for for operations. So now. Now we start to to uh, to do operations. So, um, one of the things we're going to have on there is let me just say that first off that this radio system is going to be. I mentioned the next generation radio system. It's actually going to be our foundation for the future. We have a lot of capability, particularly in this multi voltage power supply, that's going to allow us to do a lot of things. And then we made a number of additions and changes to the JVC Kenwood, uh, or I should say enhancements, to the JVC Kenwood D710 to allow it to do um, things like voice repeater. And, and um, so we will have that capability. Um, we actually had the fan changed in it, a more uh, robust, a more powerful fan to allow us to... Uh, uh, be able to use that repeater all the time. You know, twenty. You know, we can use it twenty four seven, if you will. Um, we have uh, the ability to use on board. We have a VCH one slow scan television unit. It's in a Russian segment right now. Um, we one of the problems we we haven't used that thing more often is because it uses double A batteries and you use them up you know, pretty quickly. So we, we've got uh, the power supply will run that thing, you know, continuously. So we're going to be doing some slow scan in the Columbus module, which is not is something we have not done before. 
Um, and hopefully be, we'll be doing more slow scan uh, activities. The other thing is that um, those that are familiar with it, um, our APRS system has been coming and going because our system we're using right now in the Columbus module is it was designed over 20 years ago. So uh, and and the equipment, some of the equipment's 20 years old. So it's been sporadic. On it's actually, you know, as we speak, it's operational right now, but it's been off and on the past few, uh, past year and a half. So we'll have a APRS on board. So, you know, those are, the, that is the beginning of what we plan to do with this. As I said, the uh, power supply has a whole lot more capabilities. It has four USB ports on it. So we could put, you know, a Raspberry Pi on there. Um, it has uh, uh four different um, uh, connections that we could use for up to four different radio systems. And so there's a lot of capability. So this is all going to provide a, a lot of different modes and a whole lot better signal. Exactly. Yeah, our signal well, level is going to go from about 5 watts to 25 watts. So... So that should, should make a, a big improvement. Yeah. Absolutely. So so let's talk about improvements. What things, you know, have we seen already from the space station and, and the ARIS program? You know, how what improvements are we going to see to to what's already being done? So, you know, I mentioned, you know, these different capabilities. We're going to probably have to pull together a... Um, and we've been talking about this, a schedule for how we'll run things. Um, the other thing that uh, is a new thing that is on the horizon, and it's in line with the fact that, uh, um, you know, I just talked about SpaceX. Uh, you know, there are two two commercial organizations that are building uh, systems to actually fly crew. And SpaceX and Boeing are the two organizations that are doing that uh, as early as May. And um, we could have some commercial crew members come on board space station. Some of them will be uh, um, part-time. You know, in other words, be there for a couple of weeks. Some of them will be there for long duration. Um, the the commercial crew is going to be operated like a kind of like a taxi cab where they'll be astronauts flying the vehicle to space station and then like the crew that sits in and, and is up there for six months. Uh, the interesting thing about that is that we've got a number of crew members on there that have um, that are on commercial crew that have used our equipment uh, and used it very well in the past. Uh, people like Mike Fink who loves to get on the air and do uh, random contacts and uh, Sonny Williams who's very good at um, at uh, using the radio system. So, you know, not only is our equipment going to be improved very soon in the next, you know, few weeks, I would say, within a month, um, it'd be fully operational, but also um, uh, we'll have some interesting crew members on board that uh, will use other modes like voice mode to the ground. And not only just students. 
Yeah, and, and, and the students are going to be able to hear a whole lot better and and uh, make it easier for for everybody. So so let's let's talk a little bit about um, the the fundraising on this because this has been a, a you know there's been a lot of engineering and a lot of that going on, but there's also been a lot of fundraising going on to make all of this happen, and it's it's kind of. Uh, unsettling even uh to see how much this program costs so uh update us on on the fundraising and and paying for all of this yeah well let me let me first thank everyone out there that have contributed to eris um especially in our campaign to get uh, funding for these radio systems um as i've said in the past in in a previous ham talk live um you know, when we're building the radio, we're not just building one. Uh, we're building, um, actually, we're building 11 uh, of them. Um, we have uh, four that need to be flight qualified because we're, this first one's getting installed in the Columbus module. We're going to fly another one up to, to be installed in the Russian service module. And, and for everyone to understand, you know the different the distance between the Columbus module and the service module is about a football field away from each other, and the American crew has to fly over to the Russian module right now to do all of our contacts because the equipment in the Columbus module is not is in good a shape because it's so old, and so um, having two radio systems of the same kind in the space station will be great and then we need two others for backups and then we need all of these other ones for training and, and engineering activities so it uh training around the world not just in the united states so um it, they all add up and and i want to thank all of those that have contributed to the uh campaign to to actually get all of these radio systems in place we've built just two so far of the 11 Third one is in construction right now. It's our next flight unit. Um, so fundraising is an important piece, not only for hardware development, but also for our operations. It does take a lot of um, support to keep this program going. And uh, um, we appreciate those that uh, do contribute. And you can always go to the mset.org site. Um, that's where we um, have our our um, account set aside, and that's where uh, you can contribute. Okay, so make sure you go to amset.org and uh, and click on the donate to Eris button and uh, and help out. and And we were talking a little bit before um, the show about you know all the, the the cost on this isn't just you know the radio and designing and building and everything, but you've got a lot of hoops to jump through on any space project. And I've, I've done one before and that was almost 20 years ago now. And, and I know what that was like. So tell everybody a little bit about the whole certification process and why, it, you know, even though the, the radio has been up there for almost a month now, why, why it's still not there yet. It's still not running. Yeah. So, um, Basically, we have to get it certified for safety, and then we have to get it certified from for engineering. And if you can think about engineering, you know, one example of that 
which is actually the one we're working on right now, that we're waiting for, is uh, called surge current. You don't want, when you turn, if, you, if, if uh, NASA remotely turned our system on and, and all the lights were on, if you will, you wouldn't want that big surge current going back into space station and disrupting some of the other payloads. So that's the kind of thing, I mean, they're not looking at our payload. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. They're not looking at inside our payload. What they're concerned about is the interface and how it affects the other NASA payloads and space station itself. So, um, so we have to go through all of that, and that's like 90 different major hoops you have to go through uh, with a lot of documentation. Uh, and, um, and then from a safety perspective, you have to look at uh, the hazards. You know, um, we had a last-minute change to the radio system because we found that uh, the sleeving that you put over the cabling to prevent flammability uh, wasn't exactly what NASA wanted, so we needed to replace that at the last minute and uh, on the flight unit, and then uh, um, it would be on all subsequent. But, you know, you have to look at all of these things and how it could impact the astronauts, how it could impact space station, how it can impact safety. And so... Um, our team has gotten significantly better on this, but it is a huge effort. And um, I thank the whole t international team that uh, helped pull this together. Um, you know, and, and the multi-voltage power supply, to me, is one of the, from what I've, because I've experienced it, is one of the most complex items we've pulled together. It works and it supports operations at 28 volts and 120 volts because across space station they use different voltages depending on where you are. And so it can be used anywhere. And um, that puts us in a good position um, to be able to move things around. Yeah, that that is quite a feat, uh, that uh, power supply. I've seen some pictures, and we actually uh, retweeted one here that um, someone had sent in on Twitter a picture of the radio and, and that inner, um, or the uh, power supply that uh, will do uh, different voltages and has all the uh, the appropriate connectors and connectors in space. That, that's a whole nother issue. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, because they can't, they they can't, they can't. Uh, you can't have a connector connect to something else. It has to be, you know, keyed to only that one area. So there's a, you know, that's a safety issue. There's so many different things that, uh, you know, between Lou McFadden and Kerry Banky, uh, Ed Chrome, and Dave Taylor, I was working with uh, JB C Kenwood on the radio system. I mean, all of them are looking at the intricate details of what it takes to make sure we can do this, and then, and then the safety team, which uh, was was uh, Ken and Dennis uh, Hernandez and myself, um, pulling all of that story together for NASA to show them uh, with evidence. You know, we have to show them evidence that uh, that we have met their safety requirements and their engineering requirements. All yeah. right. Well, we're getting yeah, we're getting uh, quite a few questions uh, here on the chat and on Twitter. So uh, we're going to take a break here right now, and uh, we're going to uh, come back, and we're going to take all those questions and 
and figure out some answers. But first, we have a a new sponsor on the show tonight, and um, that's QRM Labs. So let's hear from QRM Labs, and and we'll be back um, after this message and uh, talk to Frank and and find out more and, and get answers to your questions right here on Ham Talk Live. <laughs> Willie Mays from QRM Labs, back again to make your life with ham radio better. Are you tired of putting together all those kits? Minutes of sorting out parts, dropping them on the floor, picking them up again, just to drop them on the floor again, and then all that soldering. Well, we have the kits for you. At QRM Labs, our new line of kits only come pre-assembled. No more putting them together. Build a tuner kit, a power supply kit, or even an HF radio kit that's pre-assembled. We put it together for you, and you save all the trouble of building it yourself. Don't believe it? Just listen to what one famed expert kit builder has to say. Hi, I'm Joe Eisenberg, K0NEB, kit building editor from CQ Magazine and frequent HamFest speaker and kit building leader. These pre-assembled kits from QRM Labs have made kit building so easy. You can build a kit without all of the hassle of stuffing the board, soldering, and figuring out all those little tiny part numbers. When I do group kit builds, these pre-assembled QRM Labs kits work so much better. It takes so much less time for everyone to build and keeps me from dealing with that guy. You know, the guy that brings a roll of thick acid core solder and a Weller soldering gun. QRM Labs makes kit building a great experience. Just plug and pray. But wait, there's more. More. Order in the next 30 seconds and you can get two two, two. pre-assembled kits for the price of one. To order your pre-assembled kit, call 760-706-7425. That's 760-706-7425. Call now, 760-706-7425. Okay, so so they're not really a sponsor. Yes, April Fool's Day is before the next Ham Talk Live, so we had to do our annual tradition. So, all right, so for real this time, we'll be back with Frank to take your questions right after this word from our real sponsor, Tower Electronics, right here on Ham Talk Live. Thanks for choosing Tower Electronics. How may we help you today? We have PL259s, we have in connectors, we have SMA adapters, we have BNC adapters. What can I show you today? Where's the tower? Well, we don't actually have a tower with us, but we have all kinds of things you can use with a tower. We have power poles, antennas, soldering irons and meters. Where's the tower? <laughs> Ma- ma'am, that's the name of our company. We can't haul towers to all the ham fest across the country that we visit. But we have almost every connector and adapter you would need to connect your antenna that's on your tower. I don't think there's a tower back there. I really don't. Tower Electronics. Visit us at a ham fest near you or call 920-435-2973. Or see our whole catalog at pl-259.com. Sorry, one thing we don't have is a tower. 
Join the conversation. Give us a call at 859-982-7373. Again, the number to call is 859-982-7373. Or, if you'd rather type than talk, tweet us at Ham Talk Live. Now, here's Neil Rapp with more Ham Talk Live. You are listening to Ham Talk Live, the number one podcast amongst all podcasts with the words ham, talk, and live in the title. And now, here's your host, Amateur Radio's own Neil Rapp. Thanks to Tower Electronics for bringing you the show. Well, as you might guess, their ham fest schedule's looking a little thin these days with the virus uh, canceling or postponing most ham fests right now. But the good news is you can find them anytime, day or night at pl-259.com or give them a call. So make sure you... Uh, you get all of your connectors now. Now you know some of their connectors actually are used on the on the space station, but uh, but not the ones that that, that fit this interoperable operable thing because it's it's all got to be specific as Frank just told us. But uh, the in connectors you you can get those uh, at Tower Electronics. Well, Ham Talk Live is on the air every Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, right here at HamTalkLive.com. Be sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And it's time for your calls now. So let me give you that phone number again. Now is the time to call. It's 859-982-7373. 859-982-7373. We'll take calls. We've got all kinds of tweets and, and comments here uh, asking questions. So if you want to send us a tweet, it's at HamTalkLive, at HamTalkLive on Twitter. We'll get the job done. And if you're listening to us on WTWW or on the podcast version of the show, sorry, but uh, we won't be here because uh, right now it's Thursday night about 9.33. So um, we won't be here. But anyway, um, we've got a lot of, of questions rolling in here, Frank. So let's get to some of these. And the first one we'll go to is from Brett, WY7BG. And uh, he wants to know why the choice of that particular radio. Why not one like an IC9700 that provides a band scope and has um, other modes besides just FM? So we'll take that one first. Okay. That's a good question, actually. Um, let me just say that um, if you put yourself in the position of being on space station when you have about 400 different experiments going on at the same time, and ARIS is just one of those 400 experiments. Uh, one of the important things we need is to be able to um, switch the radio. Oh, let me put it this way. You're not going to get somebody that's just going to be playing with the radio all day. That's what I'm trying to say. So we need to have the ability to switch the radio very quickly into certain operating modes and uh you know with the d700 starting with that um we were able to hone out this idea with bob berninga um helping us wb4 apr um 
to develop this program mode, which allows us to very quickly switch between APRS, you know, voice repeater. And actually, we have improved the voice repeater because originally there was like 23 commands you needed to do, and now there's just a couple of them. I think it's three before you go right to voice repeater. To go to uh, school contact mode or general QSO mode, all done with, you know, just a couple of PM1 or PM2 or emergency mode, PM5, if you will. So uh, these program modes are really important. And one of the lessons we learned also was that uh, it was it's easy to um, accidentally program out what you had in there. So we've, we asked Kenwood to actually put in uh, our program modes in firmware so that if you did a hard reset, you'd go back to it being operational. So bottom line is the reason we went with that radio is that it makes it a lot faster for us to be able to use the radio, which means the crew are going to use that radio more often for school contacts and for general contacts and well as well as these different modes will be operating. Yeah, and, and, you know, the astronauts may or may not, depending on who it is, be, you know, real savvy with the radio and, and knowing what all the functions do and what all, you know, all those things do. And one of the things I've noticed is in the picture is that you've got it in like a, a, a channel mode instead of a VFO. Um, so, that you know, they, they spin it to 202 and, and they know that's the right one. Exactly. Well, actually, actually, you can hit program mode and go right to the to the pri- primary one. But if we decide to use a different frequency, yes, they uh, we give them the right channel and they go to that. All See, right, it, we've it, got it. it. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say it just makes it a lot simpler for them, and makes it a lot faster for them to be able to get on the air. Okay. Uh, next one is from Cam. Uh, Cam says, thank you for this interview. And do you have a rough guess when the FM voice repeater will be up and running? Weeks, months, years? What, what's your guess? Good question, too. Uh, so, the, the um, you know, where we're at right now is, like I said, we've got this one last requirement we got to get resolved, and then we actually can start... Uh, setting up the radios. Now, if you watch what's going on right now on Space Station, we only have three crew members up there right now. And then we have all these 400 experiments going on. So you know they are they are working 24-7 just about to, to take care of everything. Um, we actually think that after the new crew comes on board, when there's six people on board, which should happen in the April time frame, uh, is probably when we're going to get set up and operational, if you will. So I would venture that May time frame or June time frame, you would probably see the voice repeater on for a period of, you know, a week or something like that for people to to, to, to work it. And then we'll be switching, you know, various modes, if you will. The interesting thing, too, is that if when we get the other system operating on the Russian segment, then we could have APRS running all the time and voice repeater um, running also in parallel with that at, at the same time. Okay, and I just thought of a – that just brought up a question in my mind, um, and so I hope I don't throw you a curveball here. Uh, <laughs> how are we going to know which boat it's in? 
So that that's what I was getting at earlier is we've got to um, provide a schedule for the hymns and make that schedule available. And so we will do that not only on the ARIS website, but uh, also uh, probably on the AMSAT website and other places you'll see it. Uh, you know, the AMSAT news service will still beam it out too. So it'll get out there for, for folks to be aware of it. We're going to try to make it a you know, a routine schedule as best we can. Okay, good answer. All right. 859-982-7373 is the phone number if you want to give us a call. Um, do that right now, 859-982-7373. Uh, let's see. We'll go through some more tweets here. Uh, Bill says, our school, Tecumseh High School in Oklahoma, has been selected for an heiress contact in November. So they said they're glad to see the new equipment that's there, and they hope to be talking through that. Yeah, first off, congratulations, and um, we think that will happen. <laughs> we should have it all operational at that point. Yeah, and there's a, there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of schools, a lot of, of uh, youth activities that will be looking forward to those contacts once uh, we get we got to get everybody back in school too. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll look forward to uh, to hearing those um, schools on, and, and everybody else will get a chance to do some stuff too. So that'll be cool. Okay, let's see. I think we may have caught up here. Just scrolling through everything. And, of course, throwing everything into oblivion for the moment. All right, let's see here. So we've got um, uh, we've got some several comments. And so, uh, you know, congratulations on, on a great thing. Um, we've got... Um, you know, a ham satellite relay in space now, you know, coming on. So lots of lots of cool stuff. Okay, so let me uh, throw this phone number out one last time here. It's 859-982-7373. 859-982-7373. Our time with Frank is just about up, uh, but want to give you a chance to call in here um, on the show Eight five nine nine eight two seventy three seventy three, and we'll check uh, we'll check the uh, tweets again. Um, we, we've talked about the support a little bit, but let's talk about you know are there any uh, ISS ham radio events that that are coming up right away? Okay, so um, we do want to do some slow scan television events. Um, well, let me just say, with the whole COVID-19 activity that's going on, you know, with the, all the virus issues, um, a number of our schools are canceling out. So we are actually um, pivoting the program to, um, the, you know, the, the program, you know, one of the reasons we're on space station is because the astronauts like to be able to talk to people on the ground. It's more of a psychological boost to them to do that, you know, uh, to talk to school students and for some of them to talk uh, to, to the general ham community. The students now are in that situation, you know, isolated in their homes 
uh, quarantine and things like that. We're trying to pivot the program a little bit and actually try to do what we would call a virtual school and actually um, bring all of the students, you know, online through a Telebridge contact. And and uh, so we're we're trying to make that happen for some of these schools in the in the near future that are kind of that are that want to support something like that. So that's one thing. Another thing we're doing is um, probably the end of the year we'll have. Um, L-band capability um, for voice repeater. We've, we're going to be uh, uploading a, um, a little diplexer device, which will allow us to do that with the Kenwood also. So that's another thing that will be available. But in the near term, probably in the May time frame, expect to see some slow scan television, uh, at least one or two events. Okay. Sounds good. We do have another question here from Cam. Um, if the radio is 25 watts, is that enough that we'll be able to hear that with just an HT and a rubber duck? I think you should be able to. Um, yeah, I, I would think so. It's going to be a lot more powerful than what we we were flying uh, in Columbus module before. So about five times more power. Yeah, and uh, yeah, just my limited experience uh, working some of the FM satellites, uh, AO ninety one ninety two. I I can often hear those with a a, a rubber duck and a handheld. And uh, so if you're running twenty five watts, uh, you know, and a good antenna, uh, it's going to be even better. So I, I would think you'd be be able to hear it just fine. So. Now, getting back to it, well, maybe, but we'll, but uh, you should be able to hear it just fine. All right. Well, Frank, I think uh, we're, we're about out of time here, but I want to thank you for coming on the show and, and give you a chance. Uh, if there's anything we missed, any, any last comments you want to make, uh, uh, here, here's your chance. Well, uh, one thing I do want to say again is to thank everybody um, over these past few years uh, for supporting the ARIS program, for supporting the, uh, the development of our next generation radio system. Um, I, I have to say that from an international perspective and a, and a U.S. perspective, I am so proud of this volunteer team we have on ARIS that does so many things and are doing so much uh, to get students interested in amateur radio and getting their license and things like that because, you know, that's happening. Um, and also to get students interested in science and technology and engineering and math. It's, uh, it's really cool what we're doing. And uh, I've got to basically tip my hat to the, uh, to the volunteer team on everything they've done. And thank you all for out there yep. for supporting us. Very good. Well, we've got one last thing here. We've got a suggestion actually coming from the uh, from your uh, ARL section from MDC. Um, once uh, everything is up and running, um, routinely or monthly transmit the mode schedule from digital messaging from space. Maybe we could we could do that, and so we could do it for maybe you know field day or ham fest or something we could uh have the schedule sent through the radio 
That's an interesting so, idea. Yeah, interesting. All right. Well, we're going to leave it there, uh, but thanks so much for coming on, and and I know you and your family are, are, are not feeling the, the best, so thank you for uh, fighting through that with us tonight, and uh, uh, hope that uh, that you're all feeling better soon. Thank you, Neil. Good to all be right, on. Well, that, oh, you're very welcome. Well, that is a wrap for this week's edition of Ham Talk Live. I'd like to thank my guest, Frank Bauer, KA3HDO, and everyone out there in cyberspace for listening and calling in and typing in, and invite you back next Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time um, when W8CI, Michael Coulter from the uh, Dayton Hamvention, will be here, and he's going to tell us about this new Hamvention QSO party that's going to take place when Hamvention was supposed to take place, and, and a little bit more about uh, the cancellation of Hamvention and what their their plans are for that. So be sure to tune in for that next Thursday night. And for a list of all of our upcoming guests, visit HamTalkLive.com. And if you like the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, that helps others find us faster. So for now, this is Neil Rapp, WB9VPG, saying 73 Seven five, and may the good DX be yours. Don't, 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 don't,